All right. I'm snowed in. And by snowed in, I mean frozen into my home. This week's Pete the Planner Extravaganza is the holiday spectacular from a remote location. Hello, everyone. I'm Peter Dunn, Pete the Planner. Joining me, uh, some of you can see him visually if you're on the live stream. Those listening on the podcast some days later don't know who's standing next to me, but it's the one and only Teddy Buckets, Tito Net Tickler, Ted Dunn. Ted, hello. Hello. So you're off uh, school break. Uh, you are making Christmas cookies with mom today, and you're going to uh, dazzle us with some NBA facts to start the show once we welcome Damon Kristen, right? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Quite the conversationalist. <laughs> Very excited about you and your future. Uh, joining us also, of course, as always, is Kristen uh, Alanius and Damian Dunn. Damian Dunn is the Vice President of Advice at Your Money Landing. Kristen Alanius is the Director of Education. Da- uh, Ted, uh, do, you have a, do you have a title? Um, just no. <laughs> okay. Well, wow. This is going to be just spectacular. Kristen, um, dead air makes amazing radio. It does. It really does. Tito buckets. Like, come on. Yeah. Yeah. Tito buckets. Uh, yeah. Uh, no. D- Dame, do you remember the first time you were on the radio that you were a financial advisor, right? And you were doing like stuff back in the day. Uh, I mean, first time on the radio with you. No, just no. I didn't you do like commercials or something in like your local radio or like spots on advice? I felt like you did, or am I making that up? I think you're totally making that up. I did that. You did that? I used to I had a radio commercial and it was super hard because by the time you got all the disclosures and everything in there that you had to say, they had to like speed up my words and smash them all together. It was not it was not great radio. I didn't know you did that. I damn I totally thought you did that. I don't know. I I, I did that too by the way, Kristen. Yeah. I I uh, I would um do I would work through reads. Uh my mom used to do spots every once in a while, so I would I would work them uh, with her but uh, and then uh, she sold advertising at a radio station too. So I'd sit in the studio and pop on the radio with whoever was on, on the uh, on the air at the, at the time. But I didn't do any spots, no. All right. Well, Ted, this is a return visit for you. Uh, still learning about dead air. Here's what I'm hoping to do. Uh, you are an NBA aficionado. Do you know what aficionado means? Professional NBA. Okay. So um, I was hoping you could give us the most underrated NBA players, your list that you've curated yourself. And of course, when you do this, you'll be up on the microphone, right? Uh, So people can hear you because, you know, it's microphone. So go ahead. This is Ted Dunn's top six underrated NBA players. And here we go. So (laughs) number one. It might be a surprise, but Russell Westbrook. Really? Yes. What? Dame, Dame that's got to be surprising. I know who that is. There's no way he can be underrated if, if I know who Because he, he is very close to winning sixth man of the year this year. Really? Yes, he's I, in the top five. But wasn't it in preseason? Like they were just trying to get rid of him for like a toaster and a cheese sandwich? But now they really want him. <laughs> okay, so it, I I feel like we've gotten into 2023 predictions uh, sooner than we thought this year. Dame, can you mark that down? Ted's got Russell Westbrook for sixth six man, man of the year. year. I got it. All right, Ted, okay. what's up next? Into the microphone. Next up is a rookie, Walker Kessler. He got traded to – he was originally drafted by Minnesota and then got traded to the Jazz, and he's been playing really well. Where did he go to college? Auburn. Walker Kessler, a man with two last names, is doing well in the NBA. What position does he play? Center power forward. Wow. Okay. So is he going to be like an all-rookie team, do you think? is he All-rookie second team. Second team. Okay. He was in the second round. Who do you think will be the, the center power forward on the NBA all-rookie first team? Paolo Boncaro. Easy. Yeah. Easy. 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 All right. Um, third person, the Ted. Is this in any particular order or are you just no, running through? Just, okay. In the microphone. Okay. Right. So next up, uh, he's a 7-3 center, Bull Bull, and uh, from the Orlando Magic. And he's also might be the most improved player in the NBA. Because when uh, he played for Denver – 
he played really bad, but now he got traded to the Magic, and now he's really good. Uncle he's Dame saw him say. play in person. That's right. I little known fact. I got to watch him play in person. I think he, uh, I think he might have dropped twenty the night I was there. So, do you agree, Dame, that Bull Bull is underrated? I. Uh, yeah, the very small sample size I have of watching Bull Bull's career, I, he's probably vastly underrated. Kristen, do you know who Bull Bull's father is? Ask me if I know who anyone is. Manute Bull, one of the one of the most iconic NBA players of all time. Awkward. Okay. <laughs> um, all right. I know nothing. That's okay. Uh, Ted, up next, number four. No particular order. Most underrated NBA players. Uh, it's uh, he's also on the Magic, and he's a starting center, Wendell Carter Jr. Uh, even though Paulo Bunker is dropping like twenty five a night, I think Wendell is getting all the missed shots he's been missing. Oh. <laughs> so where did Wendell go to school? Do you know? Oh, I know this. I know this. I definitely know this. Oh. That whole dead air thing. Dame, do you know where Wendell Carter Jr. went to school? I'm going to go with college. That's all I know. All right. And Kristen, do you know what Wendell Carter Jr.'s dad's name is? (laughs) (laughs) That's not funny. Wendell Carter. I know. All right, Ted. So you don't know where he went to college. I'm going to guess Washington, maybe? Yeah, naturally. That's a good guess. All right, uh, fifth on the list of Ted Dunn's most underrated NBA players list of 2022-2023. Who's up? Uh, Steph Curry's brother, Seth Curry. Steph Curry, I mean, Seth Curry's overshadowed by Steph Steph Curry. Yeah. And does not get the recognition he deserves. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to argue that, right? It's because the names are so similar. They just assume it's uh, one person and somebody's misspeaking the name. I think that's it. It's like Dame and I have the same last name and he overshadows me, right? Like (laughs) everyone's like, Dame, Dame, Dame. They're like, oh, what's, what's, oh, that's lame, his brother. I'm, I'm taller. So that's, that's why I overshadow you. Uh, yeah. Seth Curry's a bucket. Yeah. Definitely. Good three point shooter. Yeah. How are your three point shooting? How are yours? Okay. Kristen asked a great question. Where did Seth? That's not true. Where did Seth Curry go to school? I know this one. I feel like he went to Duke, didn't he? No. (laughs) No. Okay. Continuing on, Uh, the sixth and final. Oh, Uh, Ted Dunn, most underrated player in the NBA. Uh, our final pick is Shea Gilgis Alexander. Oh yeah, he's like the MVP this year, besides Jason Tatum and Giannis, and he uh is in the running for most improved too. Uh, You you really like the guys that are most improved. (laughs) I appreciate that though. Yeah, I appreciate they improve and they're underrated. Yeah, that's a whole Ted vibe. Um. Ted, or, or real quick, um, could you, Dame, could you look up where Seth Curry went to school? Just real quick. Duke. It started at Liberty, finished at Duke. Hmm. Mm-hmm. And the guy before that went to Duke as well. I oh, Wendell Carter Jr. went to Duke? Yes. Dude, you have a Duke aversion? Are you yeah. just like allergic <laughs> to Duke? Understandable. Then? Totally understandable. Avoid Duke. Right. I like Duke. <laughs> oh. All right, before, before you leave us, we have two questions. Number one, what did you ask Santa for this year? A bunch of jerseys and sports cards. Okay, excellent. And Basketball what jer- jerseys? Is that a safe assumption? <laughs> and soccer jerseys. Okay. Yeah. yeah, and then what jersey are you rocking today? Uh, the NBA All-Star let me see, 1996 Penny Hardaway jersey. Oh, Penny. And then it was held in San Antonio, and I have the San Antonio hat, too. All right. There we go. Well, Ted, thank you. I mean, this 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 segment will appeal to just a really small demo, and I think it's great. Um, thank you. Good job. Merry Christmas. But you can say something back. Oh, bye. Okay. Bye. <laughs> Born in a barn.
Jesus was. All right. Uh, shut the doors, please. All right. Thank you guys for indulging uh, those broadcasting skills of Theodore Patrick Dunn. Good job, Tito. Did you know the any of those language? Yeah. No. I mean, I yeah, I, I knew a couple. I Russell. know none of that. Yeah. Bull, bull. Seth. Okay, let's do the show. Um, everybody doing okay. well? Yeah. Yeah. Hey, can we make an appeal to our, our intrepid uh, partners in this uh, that are that are filling up our comments? Uh, that we need some help for the, uh, the third Don't segment. Don't ask for a segment. <laughs> oh. Damn. I won't, I won't ask them. No, we don't need any help for the third segment. All right, let's start the show. I knew that was going there. Um, in three, two. Wait, what's the first segment? Oh, the secure 2.0. It's secure. Okay, three, two, one. This week on the Pete the Planner Show, we answer your money questions. Here's how the show works. You email us, askpete at petetheplanner.com. That's askpete at petetheplanner.com, and here's what we do. We might answer your question. This week, I'm joined, as always, really, by Kristen Alanius, Director of Education at Your Money Line. Hello, Kristen. Hello, Pete. And one Damian Dunn, Vice President of Advice at Your Money Line. Hello, Dame. Hello, Pete. Final show of the year. Here's the, the, uh, the fun part. This is airing on New Year's Day in Indianapolis, Indiana, and various affiliates around the area. So, Kristen... Congress just uh, passed their omnibus spending bill, and part of that was Secure 2.0. Yes. What in the world is Secure 2.0? That's a really good question. I don't know how I would summarize what Secure 2.0 is. It's many many things. It's a lot of things. Yeah. yeah. It's a mess. Isn't it primarily to restructure or enhance the retirement programs that that people contribute to? Yes. Um, I think it's hard when you're someone who does what we do, uh, when you start to break some of these things down, I think I, it makes me more confused about the purpose. Honestly, when I look at some of the things that we're going to talk about. All right, well, let's, let's hit it. Who's running through this Dame or Kristen? Doesn't matter to me. First thing we got, Required minimum distributions. There are changes, more changes to required minimum distributions. Secure Act 1.0 had a few. This one, they're pushing the date of required minimum distributions out again. again. All right. So, Kristen, what's the idea here? How does pushing out RMDs, first of all, I guess maybe let's begin with what <laughs> are RMDs and, and what's the point of pushing them out? Yeah, RMD acronym required minimum distribution. When you reach a certain age, which used to be 70 and a half, and now it's going to be moving, it moved to 72, and then some people it's going to be 73. But essentially, you have to take a certain percentage of that account value out um, by the end of the year based on your age. And then, and then you buried the, the big news starting in 2033, RMD age moves to 75. Yes. Whoa. Yeah. Yes. So, I mean, that, that is a good thing for retirees, right? Well, I, I think it's a good thing for some retirees uh, because uh, let's, I mean, let's try and think why they would move RMDH out. Are, are they anticipating that people are going to need to work longer? Uh, are, uh, yeah. No. Maybe, no, no, you don't think so? No, I think it's because the people that they're trying to, this is really cynical. Like, let me. Oh, good. Um, <laughs> I think it's because the people that they're really targeting here, the persons who aren't touching those balances, they're only touching them because the, the IRS is telling them they have to. If you push it out to 75, is it, does it mean that it's more money? I mean, have we given the account balance the account longer to grow um, so that the the money that's coming out that's being taxed is it's higher balances. This is an interesting discussion like that. You're right. I don't know what the, you know, the uh, motivation is behind this part of me though, innocently thinks, Oh yeah, people are going to be working longer. And so that's, that's the motivation. Dame, what say you? Well, I, before I even follow up on that, I, we don't know what changes they're going to make to the distribution table either. I mean, they, it could be, uh, you know, we push it out, uh, the required minimum distribution age a couple of years, but 
we're going to take a bigger percentage of the money starting at year 75. That's a really good point. What didn't the distribution work out to around 4%? I mean, it was a, it was a, like a weird formula, but I feel like it always seemed like 4% in the first year. It might've been around 4%, but it, it climbs uh, mm-hmm. steadily after that. And uh, yeah, you're, you're taking huge chunks towards the end. Yeah, that's a great question because then if it stayed on the normal table to what someone was at the at 75, but it's quite possible that it's escalated from the start, you know? Yeah, I, I think there's changes to come in with RMDs. I don't think this will be the last time that we see legislation to impact uh, this particular area. And it may, on the face, look like um, it's going to benefit the the account holder. Don't don't be fooled by that. There's a reason that that they're doing this, and I think it's primarily to add more money into their coffers. How critical are we allowed to be? Because the thing I really don't understand, (laughs) I'm about to be, I'm about to be. The thing that I really don't understand is there's from, if you were born between 1951 and 1958, your RMDs are going to start at 73. So there's this like progressive increase, which just makes things so, so much more confusing. Like I know that the year after you turned 70 and a half rule was kind of confusing, but this is worse. I think it's because you have to give people some degree of notice before you rip the rug out from under them and change. So it it's not making the change directly for people who are in the moment, like not not so bad, right, Dame? Or am I thinking about that wrong? No, I I, I think there's a little bit of that going on there. Uh, I also think that leaving at age 73 doesn't defer revenue for for the government because if they go from 72 to 75 immediately well now they're gonna get less income from from taxes during that time period so there's there's still a little bit of self-interest involved there what what else is in secure 2.0 of interest you could make a 529 to roth transfer what yeah but by the way (laughs) um i i have not read a single thing about this big big surprise Um, um Really? Yeah, but it's not. I was like super pumped when I saw it. And then when you read all the rules, so some of the highlights of things that you can or can't do here, um, the transfer has to be made to the beneficiary, not the owner. Oh, (laughs) I oh, it gets worse. It gets worse. The account has to have been maintained for 15 plus years. So you only get the money if your parents have literally been planning like since you were born and you can only transfer up to the IRA limit each year. So if you were planning, I interpret that to mean that it's in lieu of your regular IRA contributions. So you're not moving the needle forward from a retirement perspective. You're just changing where the money's coming from. Yeah. So one of the biggest, uh, problems that people see with 529 plans is if your kid doesn't go to college, you got to pay tax and penalty and all these other sorts mm-hmm. of things. Um, yeah, name there is a penalty, is there not, or just taxes? Yeah. If it's an unqualified distribution, then you end up paying a penalty and income tax on the gains. So uh, the idea that, oh, oh, hey, you could just transfer that to a Roth IRA. That's an amazing benefit if it goes to the <laughs> account owner, who's the parent who put the money in. But now it's like, oh no, Teddy Buckets will actually get the money. And I'm like, I don't, I don't want him to have the money. I want the money. <laughs> oh, and the other thing that um, Damon, I read the same synopsis and the gentleman who wrote it interprets it to mean that changing the beneficiary would also restart the clock. So the idea of like one account or moving money around for siblings, you won't be able to then make a Roth transfer if that's how it's interpreted. I mean, you could in theory, make yourself the beneficiary and wait 15 years and then transfer it to a Roth. Oh, how critical am I allowed to be here, Kristen? Very. Let it flow. What? What? Who's coming up with these elements of security? Like, is this just Thank you. special interest and in lobbyists? Because yeah. none of these actually help anybody. Thank you. All right. With the 30 seconds do we have left, <laughs> is there anything that actually helps people in Secure 2.0? Yes. There's one. Are we gonna? I'm sorry. I didn't know if we were gonna pull in the second segment. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Coming up after the break, uh, we 
<laughs> we will take a look at what actually does help people of Secure 2.0. Did they find the best lobbyist to get it in the bill, or did they just get lucky? And occasionally, legislation smiles on everyone. That's coming up next on the Pete the Planner Show with Kristen and Dame. I'm Pete the Planner. So, <clears throat> back to the 529 to Roth. You could make yourself the beneficiary. They have waived the income limits, so mm -hmm. there's no income limit uh, consideration. Um, I mean, but it's, the life, the lifetime max is thirty five thousand. Yeah, but I mean, if it's thirty five thousand that you want to keep for yourself versus giving to your kid, I mean, what's the lifetime max? Thirty five. Thirty five grand. No, but I, I don't. What's the how, how like that you can <clears throat> of put transfers in, from five twenty nine to IRA? But when do you pay? Oh, I guess it would all be post tax. Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. Okay, so it wouldn't matter. Mm -mm. Mm. Uh, so a uh, little housekeeping. Uh, and, and can we get to another segment out of this or just like a half a segment? What are we doing? We could probably, because we haven't talked about um, the additional provisions for accessing retirement money, the emergency savings account thing, and starter 401ks. All right. I, I say we go for it. Yeah, that, I think that's dangerous. It's like the episode of Seinfeld where they kept see if they can run out of gas or not run out of gas. Dame knows that one. Nope. No. I didn't watch Seinfeld. No, really? Nope. Um, Rick Swink's internet went down again. Like, why is he at 9333 North Meridian Street? We're going to have to start a GoFundMe for Rick's internet. Rick. Oh, boy. Something tells me it's because Rick lives in the boonies. Uh, I don't know. That's a good point. Uh, uh, says two people who live in the boonies. My internet's faster than the internet at the office. My internet's faster than I've ever tested it this morning. Mine was, what was mine, Dave? Like six something? Yeah. 600? 600 something, yeah. I tested mine this morning at home, and we have fiber at home, and it was like, mine was 400, 300, and I was like feeling good because we're not getting out of the office. Uh, I mean, maybe, right. maybe maybe if you aggregate the entire day, you might end up with like 400. I love that Mrs. Advice is now in the chat giving the actual thank you hard-hitting stuff coming from. I, I don't know why I didn't send her a message and ask her what we should talk about for a segment. It was good to catch up with her a couple of weeks ago at the little company soiree. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a great use of five hours of our time to drive, six hours of our time to drive down for 90 minutes of a uh, party. It was fantastic. I, I would never stay for any, more than 90 minutes at any party. So it, that tracks That's with fair. me. That's fair. Oh, all right. <clears throat> you guys ready to do this again? I feel like the, the talking has picked up and the dead air has decreased since a certain someone left the air. Your first show is difficult. It's not his first show. That's the problem. Oh, in a while, though. No, I, I'm, he's grounded. <laughs> um, I expect better. Um, all right, here we go in three, two, one. Back on the Pete the Planner show, talking secure 2.0, uh, with Kristen Lanius and Damian Dunn as part of the omnibus spending bill that was just passed. Uh, there are some uh, new elements that are part of something called secure 2.0. Dame, I want to make sure I'm not misspeaking here. These are reality now, right? Because they were part of the spending bill. It's my understanding. I've I I would expect maybe a little bit of clarification to come uh, on some of these things, but yeah, they were part of the bill. They should be live soon, very soon. Kristen, have you noticed the trend of like seemingly beneficial pieces of legislation that come out and then they require clarification soon thereafter because they're not what people thought they were? Have you, have you noticed that trend? It's almost like I've had to talk about that quite a bit this year. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I don't walk around overly critical of our government, but it is interesting this year specifically the amount of like, hey, this is for the people, and then people are like, yeah, and they're like, well, what is not, it? Not exactly. It's, it's a little different than that. A lot of that this year. Uh, yes, I agree with that. Um, uh, all right, so let's do it. What is next? Secure two What should people care about? 
There's a pretty big section on ways you can access retirement money. And some I think can be beneficial and are really great provisions. And some some might be a little dangerous um, anecdotally. So the first one is emergency withdrawals. So you can take a $1,000 withdrawal from your retirement account um, and you can pay it back. And then you can't take another emergency withdrawal until that one's paid back or until three years have passed. Is this from individual retirement accounts as well? Uh. I believe so. I I could be wrong, but I believe so. So we've created, but you know what? You can take money out of a Roth IRA anytime you want anyway. Sure. Contributions. Uh, Your contributions. That's a Mm -hmm. weird one. Like what's the. It's interesting. (laughs) Well, because aren't they then forcing employers to allow loans? Essentially small ones. But they're emergency. So I'm guessing there's some sort of laundry list of what is an emergency. I don't know. They were not published, those guidelines. Oh, clarification telling coming. me there'll be clarification <laughs> <Yeah>. coming. Go <laughs> figure. What's an emergency? Oh, I'll be darned. Um, what else? Now, there, there's mandatory enrollment for 401k. Mm-hmm. And here's where I have confusion. Hopefully, you guys understand it, or we're just going to have to sit back and wait for a clarification. Clarification. Yeah. Does this mean even if an employer does not have a 401k, they go into some sort of automatic 401k or is it only on the employer to auto enroll people? And I think you have to auto enroll them at 4%, right? The uh, I believe it's on the employer to uh, have access to this plan. The the enrollment amount, I, I what I saw varied anywhere from 4% to 15% can be said as the default, which 15% might be a little aggressive for some uh, <laughs> some uh, jobs. What? Yeah, 4 to 15%, 15. I, I believe, was the range that I saw employers had to choose from. Oh, I got to call a time. Can I drive a timeout? Uh, yeah, you've still got I two on the clock. So you're telling me in some circumstance, someone's going to start a new job. They're going to wait two weeks and in some case longer than that to get their first paycheck. (laughs) And it is going to be 15% less than they think their take-home pay is going to be. Peter, you know that if you never have it in the first place, you don't get used to it. So this is the perfect time to start saving 15%. Well, I mean, yeah. Oh my God. Because this (laughs) this is who it impacts. And impacts the people that wouldn't otherwise proactively withhold money. And so it, this is a guaranteed surprise for someone is, which is helping them. But boy, that's a rude awakening. Now, I again, I could be wrong on that. But the range that I saw, I believe, was 4 to 15%. So Mrs. Advice will tell us if you're wrong. <laughs> she's probably Googling furiously right now. <laughs> Or just yelling at me through the TV. Either one. Probably, yeah. fine. Ah, employees can still opt out. Oh, man. Yeah, but that first check is going to be a surprise, huh? <laughs> and then is there a new solo 401k or a my 401k? What's the new thing in terms of people who don't have a 401k at work? What can they do through 2.0? I don't remember that one. I remember there was a starter 401k. Okay, we'll go with that. So the starter 401k had a default auto enrollment contribution limits equal to the IRA contribution limits, and it will start in 2024. And I think it's employee contributions only was the catch there. So Dame, you've been in this industry for a very, very, very long time. And I have as well. Um, How is it that retirement is now more confusing than it was 20 years ago? How is that humanly possible? And it's all driven by policy. How is that possible? I don't know. I mean, you and I have a very similar perspective on this. And I'd like to think that that many people in this industry have a similar perspective is it is completely unnecessary, the level of complexity that they have in providing retirement options for individuals. It's I understand there's special interests and companies want to be able to do this and that, and you've got to protect, make sure that some people aren't benefiting more than others. But at the end of the day, for goodness sakes, it it doesn't have to be a a menu of, you know, eight different retirement account options and two different levels of taxation. And it it should just be a lot 
more simple to figure this out and help people understand what they're doing in order to prepare for retirement and have that certainty that what they're doing is going to have them prepared for you know, post-work retirement. Kristen, you got to think part of this is just because you're talking about the tax ramifications of these things. So therefore it's part of the internal revenue code. Mm-hmm. And that's why, I mean, that's the impetus for its complexity. I have to think. I also think that it's kind of like updates to your iPhone. There are so many, there are so many versions that like you don't realize how far your software has come in the last, you know, three years because there have been so many little updates. And I feel like we see the same thing here is that, oh, it's just a little update here or a little update there. And then five years down the road, we're trying to understand how all these things come together. I think that's part of the problem. And does that also mean when you update your software that your phone battery runs out faster? Is that part of the design of this? <laughs> it's usually my experience, yeah. You know, a pilot, Jeremy, makes a really interesting point on uh, Facebook Live right now. He says, uh, we have to make retirement as difficult as the tax code for future loopholes, LOL. You know, there's something to that. And, and let's be a little cynical, which is sort of the flavor <laughs> of the day today. Uh, there's, of course, things in this legislation that, one person put in and no one else understands and it's for the benefit of that person and like interests like isn't that isn't that pretty wild like if you think about even back to the birth of the 401k back in the late 1970s it was something that was sort of esoteric that no one understood and then ted benna exploited it right and that that's sort of the modern the birth of the modern 401k you got to wonder in a bill this big and comprehensive, there's got to be a bunch of little stuff that literally no one understands except one or two people. And and it is about exploiting it later. And what we don't know is how long were some of these provisions sitting in a drawer waiting to be used? Were they sitting in there for five years, 10 years? Does the person who wrote it originally, are they even around to, to explain what the world this is supposed to benefit for? I, It's unnecessary, completely unnecessary. All right, so uh, everyone just wait for the clarifications to come out on 2.0, just like the the student loan forgiveness clarifications that came out. And then, of course, the Supreme Court arguing whether or not all of it's legal. I'm going to cry. All right, coming up after the break, we got an email question. Dane, what's it about? Inheritances, marriage? What's the email question? Uh, Getting remarried late in life. Oh, fun. Uh, Mrs. Planner's hoping to do the same. Coming up after the break, that's the question. I'm Pete the Planner. Man, we just turned into a bunch of cynical, gripey people in that segment. But you know what? It's appropriate. I I really do believe there's just a bunch of stuff in that bill that like two people understand. It's so much. The remarried late in life segment. Mm -hmm. It's always a good one. You know, I actually was going to uh, a couple weeks ago and I never sent it to you guys because I I don't do show prep. I wanted to do like a segment on why prenups are the best idea and then a segment right after it as to why prenups are the worst <laughs> idea. That's a wonderful get there within this segment. Um, I think that's going to be one of the main things that we point out or suggest or yeah. pose for consideration. Fantastic. So um, this is the holiday extravaganza. We will not have a show next Friday. Uh, we are doing this show instead. Uh, Kristen, what are you most excited for? For you know, we, we close the office next week, right? Uh, the uh, Pete the Planner World Headquarters. Uh, what do you What are you most excited for in your time off in the next ten days or so? So I bought a house this summer, and I was really motivated to get everything the way I wanted to, and it's like. I don't know, 90% of the way there. But one of the things I have not done is um, finished painting my kitchen cabinets, but the doors are done. The cabinets just are not. So I have been living without cabinet doors since July, Wow, probably. And I'm going to make that a priority <laughs> next week. Nice. Dame, what are you, I mean, Kristen's doing home repairs. What are you most looking forward to in your time off? Just not having uh, 
nearly as many responsibilities uh, on my my day to day life. Being able to slow down a little bit, uh, you know, see some friends, see some family, and enjoy uh, actually what might be a white Christmas. One of the first ones I can remember in a while. You know, I'm looking forward to. No one asked, but I'm looking forward to sitting in my home office here early in the mornings every day, drinking coffee, listening to music. And uh, I'm working on a new writing project. And so I started this morning and uh, I'm having fun with it. It's a challenge because it's sort of a different angle to what I generally write about. Um, are, uh, are you going to pick a new playlist to listen to uh, for writing? Or are you going to go with some old faithful stuff? That's an amazing question. Very informed question and, and sort of longtime uh, listeners will appreciate it. I tend to listen to very loud, militant hip hop music when I write, it's just what I've done. It's it's, I love it. However, a, this time around, I hope to use this nice speaker and I have in my office, which my 13 year old daughter sleeps above the office. So that would wake her up. I, I, the vibes different on this book. So, um, so far it's been felonious monk. Like it, it's sort of old jazz and, uh, cause I, I just like the, the syncopation of it. Right. I don't know. That's what we got so far. Uh, all right. Fantastic. We're doing double beef this weekend, by the way, uh, I'm making a tenderloin for my side of the family. And then the next day we're going to my in-laws and, and my mother-in-law's making beef. So I'm going to be all beefed up. Very beefy. I thought you were going to say it was beef and then beef eaters. Gin was your double beef. Ooh. Not a, not a big gin guy, but I'll try. I'll try. Okay. I am doing dry January though. Well, you've still got a few days left. Yeah. Okay. Um, all right. So we'll do this question that's in the thing. Yeah. Uh, Kristen, you want to read it? You want me to read it? Um, you can read it. Okay. All right, Dame. Um, Dame, just bring us back. Uh, you tell me when to start and uh, I'll start. <clears throat> all right. In three, two, one. Back on the Pete the Planner show, we have a question in the mailbag. I know it's hard to believe. We don't spend a lot of time on, on questions very often, but Man, when we get a question, we like to answer it. So here we go. Gang, I've got a question I think you'll provide some excellent insight on. I don't think this topic has been addressed on the show. We'll see about that. I'm 56, and I've been married more than once. I'm in a committed relationship, and we're considering getting married in 2023. Also tough. The problem is I know I have some financial baggage. My credit isn't great, and I've made a fair amount of financial mistakes along the way. However... I feel like I'm in a different place now. How can I prove, uh, sorry, how can I prove this to my betrothed, good word, who's in a much better position than me financially? I know what they say about past performance and future behavior. <laughs> Any insight you can provide would be helpful. P.S. She doesn't know about my financial past yet. So some guidance on broaching that topic would be helpful. I, I love this question. Kristen, you wanna you wanna take the first swing here? I think that first and foremost, you have to have a conversation about your reality, even if you don't feel like that's where you're at now. Um, because when it comes up later, it might be a really big deal. So you should probably get out in front of whatever the quote financial baggage is. Dame, can I have a gender conversation with you real quick? Um, off air? No, just probably okay. not. Probably <laughs> on air. Because, you know, the last gender conversation I had on air really worked out well for me. That's why I was wondering. Um, Dame, when, when I'm, and I, I don't know, this could be a same sex couple. I, I, I don't know, but let's yeah. assume that the emailer is a man. Um, for, for my point, when you are courting a young or middle aged woman, um, I, <laughs> You tend to spend money. You you try to impress. You you try That's to, true. you know, show out to some degree. So the challenge with this question is, if this emailer is like any other human male, they have done that. And so then dropping the bomb of, oh, by the way, I don't have a lot of financial stability is going to be a little extra surprising. Yeah, that's a really good point. And I, I mean, to be fair, I I haven't been in the dating pool in a long time and I've never <laughs> been in the dating pool uh, in my 50s. So I, I'm not entirely sure. 
how much uh, wooing there is at, at that point. But yeah, I think you're right. I, I think you uh, you're out there, you know, whether you're you're conscious of it or not, you're setting expectations by by what you're doing and all the time that you're spending together. And if you go from uh, A to Z and say, oh, "Man, I you know this may not reflect my true reality," there's there's going to be some potential concern there. Can we also talk about the fact that I don't know what degree there is financial baggage, but if you have someone in your life who's like me, who's a real snoop. <laughs> They might already know. That is an excellent point. Can, so, I, I, yeah, you know, Kristen, I, I had an idea that sort of piggybacks off that of like, again, we're, we're making large judgments about both gender and age, which again, always works out well for me. Uh, do you think a person in their 50s who is being courted and wooed really, really wants to be? So Dame's point was, I don't know how much of that goes on. Doesn't the person just want honesty and transparency? Yeah, I mean, I, I would think if if you're it, it, beyond your first marriage, you know, second or third, um, part of you is part of you is probably past that, and, and you know, you know, you you want to have some radical transparency uh, in, in certain areas, and I think this is probably one of them. Yeah, I just think I think before you have any other conversations, which I think we're headed right into a prenup conversation, but before you have any other conversations, you have to be transparent because like I said, I don't know, again, we're making assumptions about gender and things, but if this individual has, like I said, anyone in their life who's like me, um, they they might know things that you don't know and uh, you definitely need to to have that transparent conversation like yesterday. <laughs> So the prenup thing's interesting here because you could take a really strange angle to it and it could it could benefit everyone. What you could say is, honey bunny, like Dame, let's play the role here. I okay. will be the person <laughs> with the rough financial past and okay. you be my lover. All right. So um hey, Schmookums, I have some sort of financial challenges that that are from my past, and I'm so committed to you that I don't want them to become your challenges. So as we look to get married, I, I, I want to offer to do a prenuptial agreement that protects you from my financial challenges in the event that something happens. Why should you have to pay for my mistakes? Oh, I, I think that's a, a great idea, honey. And thank you for being so considerate. And You're just the best. I would never date someone with that voice, Kristen. I mean, that's just like a real creepy voice that Dame just put on. I mean, Kristen, is that a reasonable angle that I just went with that there? Or does it just seem insincere? No, I think I think it's very legitimate. I think it's having because the other the other person in this scenario might be thinking, "Hey, maybe I need maybe a prenup is a conversation we need to have." And being the one to broach that conversation is a really uncomfortable thing. So, you're also taking some of that weight off of them if that's something that they're considering anyway or might be considering if you tell them things they might not have known. So how does the tone of that conversation switch if it's the person in better financial standing talking to the person that's had a rough financial past? I was hoping you wouldn't ask that. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I, you know what? I, that's not the question. So <laughs> <laughs> well, can I, before we get there, maybe we'll come back to that. But I think there was another thing that I dug into there too in my head of like, does the other person know that the person's been married two or three times? That's a fair question. I'm, I'm, I would guess, <laughs> but I, I don't know. Because if, if you're talking prenup, then you might be bringing up the idea of a separation to a person who's never considered it. However, is that easier or harder if you know the person proposing it has separated from a romantic interest two or three times? I don't know. That's... It's... Oh, that's a hard question. I do think this all goes back to the point like five minutes ago of, I mean, I'm 45 and like the older I get, all I just want is honest discourse. Like I don't, I just like, I just like, okay, just show me who you are. I don't really care. And I, I think that's the hope in all of this is that someone in this situation is more likely to, to align themselves with someone that just wants honesty. Maybe. I you have to get married. Excellent point. Dame, 
do you have to get married? I I think that's a very very reasonable outcome of this. It's, you know, all right, hey, with this new revelation of information, let's maybe take a step back and and see see where things are going. Let's talk about our, our future, how we want to uh, either combine or separate financial lives, and try and make the decision that's uh, appropriate for our relationship. But it's your relationship is different than any other relationship that you're ever going to run into. So. Uh, be open, be honest, uh, be empathetic, depending on which side of the table you're on in that conversation. Uh, remember the feelings that you had for that person going into that conversation. Hope they're the same coming out. But uh, it all starts with honesty and, and transparency. But Kristen, if two people in their late 50s are going to bring a child into this world, don't you think they should be married? <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, no. No. That was... I feel like that's another email on the way probably yeah it's funny though <laughs> <laughs> okay so good luck yeah. emailer yeah so what's our what's our advice like like throw yourself on the sword and and like say hey do you want i got some stuff going on but i'm willing to not make it your problem yes well you know what i'm actually saying is i'm not i'm willing to not make it your problem if we get divorced but i am going to make it your problem if we get if we stay together like (laughs) we didn't solve for that yeah i I mean there's a very high likelihood if this is your third marriage that it ends in divorce statistically speaking uh congratulations good luck jeez be nice that was pointed Okay, coming up after the break, the final biggest waste of money. Actually, this show airs on the first, so this is the first, the first biggest waste of money of the year. Right here on the Pete the Planner Show, I'm Pete the Planner. Dame, I, you, Dame, you ruined my week this week. I, I want to tell you, and I want to tell everyone <laughs> how Dame ruined my week this week. <laughs> and you know, don't you? I told you. Yeah, Kristen knows too, but she doesn't know she knows yet. So I don't read the email from the show or criticism or whatever. I just don't. You told him. So Dame comes to me Damien. in the midst of like our executive team retreat of which it's so important for us to be locked in. Like just like, cause it's big, hairy stuff. Dame comes and shows me his phone in which someone says they no longer listen to the show. They used to enjoy it. But my comments about gender a few weeks ago were so out of line that they'll never or whatever. I mean, I'm, I'm exaggerating. But in A, I, this is the reason I don't read comments. B, it was so out of context. Like the, the, like the, the, con, not, the comment in relation to what I was actually talking about just ignored all of the context. And so it frustrated me. So anyway, Dame, you ruined my week. I'm sorry. Damien, that is why I sent it to you. <laughs> I will note, and though, to, to, be. <laughs> to be fair, like I've also, I like to be as honest as I can. Kristen went back and found the video clip of when I'm talking about this and then screen captured her face and Damien's face as I was making these controversial comments. And to be fair and transparent... They were making some pretty aggressive faces <laughs> as I was making my point. The moral of today's story is I'm not sharing anything with Damien ever. Oh, That's why I, I sent it to you. Yeah, don't ever send that to protect protect yourself, Kristen. <laughs> don't ever send it to me. I, I wasn't I, making some definitive statement on gender. I was making a single observation that out of context was probably not ideal uh, i'm uh, i'm behind you all the way pete i'm sure you are Is sharing the- information to ruin my day uh, it wasn't my intention i thought you'd get a good chuckle out of it and you did <laughs> behind, behind eyes behind uh, cheery eyes <laughs> all right um okay you guys ready for the biggest waste of money of the week i can't wait to see what you've got for the first bomb of the year i think it's i can't wait good. for my first awful guess of the year I'm so excited. You know, this one's it's this one's hard to guess, very frankly. Great. <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's get going in three, two, one. This week's biggest waste of money of the week, right here on the Pete the Planner show, is 
the Kohler Numi 2.0 Smart Toilet. Kohler's Numi 2.0 Toilet would be worth consideration based on its angular one-piece form alone. Yet, it's far more than just an eye-catching design. Integrated into the elongated chair height unit is a heated seat, a stainless steel wand (laughs) offering adjustable spray shape, position, water pressure, temperature, and movements, a warm air drying system, a UV light and electrolyzed water self-cleaning system, a hands-free motion-activated opening and closing system, and an automatic deodorization system. In addition, it has LED lighting in the bowl for nighttime use, ambient lighting in the back to remove the need for a nightlight, and an Alexa-enabled built-in speaker system, a stylish remote, and a companion app for advanced toilet control. Holy bully. First of all, (laughs) can I upgrade the light in the bowl to a black light? Oh. Oh. (laughs) Um, Kristen, you are the world's worst guesser. Worst guesser. How much is this Numi 2.0 smart toilet? Well, first of all, can you imagine you are seated at night and your, your loved one is allegedly asleep in bed and they grab the app and turn on like James Brown's like, I feel good. And, like you're, and you shoot up and it like, it jars you loose. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's not great. No, I'm, I am the worst guesser and I, I'm going to go with three grand, three grand. Uh, Damien, what do you think this, tech toilet with a wand i'm skeptical of the wand uh is uh costing the person yeah this this thing's got sharp edges i'm not sure what scandinavian country designed this but there's no way this is a realistic design for a toilet but if i had to guess sixty seven hundred dollars $8,625. You know, the thing about this, Dame, you're exactly right. So I'm looking at the toilet. This is, uh, of course, a radio show, which visual references are always welcome. I'm looking at it. It's a straight edge across. So as you sit across it, it's going to cut off the circulation of your hamstrings. Yeah. Like right at your hamstrings. It's going to like dig into your legs. Can you imagine doing leg day and sitting (laughs) on this thing? It's hard enough to sit on something that is contoured to the buttocks. Dame, what is in the news this week? Adults shopping for themselves have become a major driver of growth for the toy industry. Quote, kidults, that's right, kidults, are responsible for about a quarter of annual toy sales, about $9 billion worth, and account for about 60% of the dollar growth for toy makers, according to the MPD group. Because toy companies have figured out that people with paychecks are treating themselves and not just the kids in their orbit, They've started making toys specifically to appeal to the demographics such as Marvel collectibles. Pete, best toy as a child. It's not even close. It's the Voltron five lions that formed into the large Voltron. Nice. It was the greatest toy. And I'm, I'm, if I had it now, I think I'd be more attractive to most people. <laughs> I'd be happier, um, wealthier. No, like I just like it was the greatest toy ever. What was your favorite toy? Um, it was I can't remember the name of the uh, the character, but it was a, a transformer that uh, was uh, when it was an airplane form. It was a, an F fourteen. Yep. And then it was red and white primarily. It was uh, one of my favorites. I think his name was either a- Slipstream, I think was the name of that um, Transformer, potentially. Uh, I, I think the, the Decepticon was Starscream. And that was, oh. an, that was an F-15, I believe. But the, uh, the, the good one was an F-14. Kristen, favorite toy of all time. I had a Barbie motorhome that like closed all up. And then when she stopped to camp, it all opened up and it had like a table and a fridge and everything inside. That was pretty cool. Glamping Barbie. 
Yes. Did did that motorhome did it um did it start in the mornings? Was it able to turn over and, and... <laughs> I gotta figure that out at some point today. Thanks for that reminder. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh Dame, what else is in the news? The no one reads anymore and physical retail is dying. Naysayers are getting rebuked by the facts on the ground. The Wall Street Journal reported that in a reversal of a trend that's been going on for more than a decade, Barnes & Noble is opening more stores than it's closing. Bookish teens will have 30 more Barnes & Noble locations to hang out in by the end of next year. Really? Kristen, in in your lifetime, which is like seven years, how... How, where are you in the spectrum of the amount of reading you're doing now in relation to other peak periods of consumption of reading materials? Um, I read quite a bit right now, but it's mostly for class. Last year, I read like, I don't know, it was like 60 books or something. I read like a book a week. So I would say now I'm kind of in a lull, but it's a different type of lull. Yeah, Dame, where are you? Are you are you where are you in the consumption of reading? Um, pretty status quo with uh, with my reading, not a whole lot, uh, but I I consume the heck out of podcasts. Yeah, I am at a I think a peak of reading at this point. <laughs> I like I brought home in my backpack and just reached down and grabbed. I, I brought home three books from the office to read over break or to finish over break. Like I don't know what it is, uh, but I. I'm reading a lot. So not that, you know, my personal experience is what is being described in this story, but I feel like the more people I talk, people are reading a lot right now. I feel like people, I I know this is a podcast and a radio show. People are listening less and reading more, Hmm. which isn't good for like, we're going to get canceled next week because of that. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, On the heels of this, let's play a game. Yes. Are we ready? Yes. No. Uh, with physical retail making a comeback, let's see how closely you've been paying attention on your shopping trips. I'll give you the names of two retail brands, and you have to tell me which one has more locations in the U.S. Ready. Costco versus Sam's Club. Costco. Costco. Sam's Club. Really? Dang it. Starbucks versus Subway. Subway. Eat Fresh. Subway, indeed. Ooh. Well, Kristen would know. She gets a lot of $11 sandwiches there. Right. Not anymore. Well, she not today because you can't start your car. Blockbuster versus Borders. Isn't there one Blockbuster left? And no Borders. That is Wait. correct. Ice Teamwork, one mil. <laughs> Blockbuster has one. Borders has zero. He's so sneaky. Walmart and Target. I mean... You got to say Walmart, right? I feel like maybe the wild card is that Target has two different experiences, the super and the regular, but I feel like Walmart probably still wins. Walmart, last one. Allbirds and Glossier. Flukin and Flanken? I don't know any of those words. Allbirds was the only one that I recognized, and that's the right answer. So Allbirds it is. What is Glossier? Oh, Allbirds the shoe? Yeah. Oh, I th- okay. I thought I was thinking gross, like Albertsons or something. <laughs> Allbirds, and what's that? The glossier? I don't yeah, know. Well, apparently, I, it was just one of the questions. I don't know. All right. Hey, next week on the show, uh, we are doing the year in review investments. Damien and I, we already know who won and lost. Uh, Damien and I are going to review <laughs> our 2022 market and stock picks. And Kristen is getting in the action in 2023 as she makes her prediction. So uh, guys off the air, we're clearly going to have to choose the categories and what we're going to add and take away for stock of the year, biggest loser of the year, S and P 500 prediction of the year and so much uh, and beyond. So uh, happy holidays to both of you, Kristen. uh, You've been a phenomenal addition to the show this year. So thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Dame, Dame. Thanks for ruining my week and everyone else. Merry Christmas, happy holidays, happy Hanukkah and New Year's and every, everything else. So uh, send you good vibes because good vibes are all that's in the budget. I'm Pete the Planner. This is the Pete the Planner Show. I'm kidding, Dame. I love you. I, I, I'm i actually not that bothered. I mean, sure, I cried for 90 minutes, but whatever. Sorry. You know, I only have like two other things today. So like I'm very relaxed. I have like no like hurry up and go. I don't have to go get a new car battery. Like I'm just like really laid back. 
special oh, guest. Special guest. Who is this? This one's Mojito. Mojito, a golden retriever, is on the podcast right now. Um, can Mojito make any sounds into the mic, like dog sniffles or like, <laughs> like that? No? Mojito doesn't make any noise at all, really. Wow. Unless you have he's, enough of them. He's a, yeah. <laughs> he's a good boy. Dame, do you like I brought Ted, who is basically a golden retriever. Uh, Mojito is joined with Kristen. Do you have any special guests, Dame? Uh, the bison. Yeah, photo. that's all I got. <laughs> all right. Anybody, any parting words for the year here? Yep. I guess not. Okay, fantastic. <laughs> um, <laughs> thank you both. I hope you guys have a, a great break. I'm sure I'll exchange texts with you but anyway i'll try to leave you alone uh everyone else thank you for listening this year we appreciate it we 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 have fun on the show but we do take uh your commitment to the show seriously so we appreciate you so stay getting money